Last week we talked about the power of encouragement, and I gave us all a seven-day challenge to use our words to add potential and courage into people's lives around us. And if you missed that, I want to encourage you to jump online. Any of the last couple of weeks, you can catch up with us on this series. But today, as we wrap this up, I actually want to flip the entire script. And I don't want to talk about our big fat mouths. I want to talk about other people's big fat mouths. And uh, I knew you'd probably like today better. Uh, but I wanted to talk about what do we do when negative words have been spoken to us? How do we keep it from destroying our heart, our mind, our self-confidence, our ability to work in healthy relationships and all of that? Uh, I'll never forget many, many years ago, I got a coworker, uh, a text from a coworker, and this text was actually about me. And it was actually negative things about me that she meant to send to someone else and accidentally sent it to me. Yeah, have you ever had that happen, right? It's kind of a bittersweet moment, right? It's bitter to think, oh, so that's what they really think of me. Okay, now their true heart and their true intent has been revealed. Uh, But then the best part was waiting for her to discover that she had sent the text to me and not her other friend. And so uh, actually about two hours went by, and then I received a text from her that said, oops, meant for someone else. And I was like, really, you don't say. And, uh, so, and I also felt better after slashing her tires and all that, and it was fine. But <laughs> how do you respond uh, when negative or hurtful words have been said about you? Uh, we tend to respond out of emotion and defensiveness, don't we? Oftentimes, that's just like our go-to. Uh, or how do you respond if someone has said hurtful things about your friend or about your spouse or your kids or your Minnesota Vikings, right? That hurts. That hurts. What do you do with stuff like that? Because we all know the saying, sticks and and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And it's not true. In fact, it's quite the opposite, that bones actually can heal a whole lot faster than words that have been spoken over us. And I think we all experience words that have hurt us in profound ways, words that cause us to second-guess ourselves and cause us to think that we might actually be worth less than what we originally thought. Maybe it was something that your mom or your dad said to you that you've never been able to shake. Maybe it was a friend that said something that kept you stuck. What was it that Uh, Maybe a sibling said to you or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse that you now think is your new identity. What was it that a boss or a coworker said to you that's caused you to shrink back in the shadows at work and it's caused you to lose your confidence? Maybe it's things like you're not good enough or you're a failure, you're a fool, you always act like this, you will never succeed I'm fed up with you, you are good for nothing, you are useless, or you could never do that. I mean, this is just a sampling of some of the hurtful words that you may have heard, and it has rocked your world. And for some of you, you feel like you just have never been able to recover. Why is that? Because upon... The initial reaction, we just go, oh, man, it's not that big of a deal. You know, we're hurt, and we're like, oh, we get over it. But then as time goes on, it seems like we don't get over it. 
And as much as we try to ignore it and as much as we try to forget about it, it seems like it just lingers. Why is that? It's your first feeling. It's because negative words act as an arrow that pierces our heart. We've all experienced that. We've all had words that pierced us deeply and it impacted us. Those sentences that contained the word you a lot were directly aimed at you and that's why it hurt. And I think it's completely normal to feel the way that you've felt or maybe even the way that you do. And in many cases, the damage is so deep that it takes a long time to heal. And in some cases, people never heal. And it sets them back their whole entire life. There are many, many adults carrying around hurts, things that were said to them years ago, and they've never known how to process it or get past it. And here's the truth about negative words in our life, your next feeling, that unless dealt with, negative words get buried deep and replace the beauty of God in us. Negative words, unless dealt with, they get buried deep, and it replaces the beauty of God in us. How many of you ever heard of a company called Trafodata? Anybody ever heard of Trafodata? Anybody? Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, The man that started this company tried to sell the idea, but the product barely even worked It was a complete disaster, and he was told he was a complete failure. However, this failure did not hold Bill Gates back from exploring new opportunities, and a few years later, he created his first Microsoft product and forged a new path to success. How many think that Bill's done all right? He's probably done all right, right? Uh, When Milton Hershey first started his candy production career, he was a nobody. After being fired from an apprenticeship with a printer, Hershey started three separate candy-related ventures and was forced to watch all of them fail miserably. What a loser, everyone said. He'll never amount to anything. But believing in his vision for milk chocolate for the masses, which I may add is a great vision. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of visions to have. That's a good one. Uh, He eventually founded the Hershey Company and has become the most well-known name in the candy industry. Or Oprah Winfrey, Some of you love Oprah. Uh, You may not have known. She was born into extreme poverty to a teenage mother and experienced horrible hardships as a young person and was told she'd never amount to anything. Yet overcame all that to become one of the most influential and successful women in the world. And you thought you had negative press. Imagine these kind of things coming against them and what they felt like. And what if they had succumbed to the pressure of people's words, people's thoughts, the arrows that pierces their heart? What if they had succumbed to that pressure? And an even more important question is what if you do? What if you succumb to that pressure? Those negative words that have been said about you. Because God would say that there is beauty and potential that lies underneath all the negative press that you've been believing about yourself. And God's saying we should do something about that. In fact, we should deal with those negative things that have been spoken to you before it deals with you, before it sets you back for a decade, before it sets you back for a lifetime, before it sets you back for a school year, whatever it might be, let's deal with it. And while it's painful, God is able to heal those things in our lives and able to move us forward. 
And so how do we do this practically? How do we deal with the negative words that have come out of other people's big fat mouths? Great question. And normally I just like to give you one thought and one idea, and today I can't do that. I've got to give you three real practical things that you can do to overcome negative words. And here it is. The first one is this. Your next fill-in. While you cannot control their negative words, you can control your response. While you cannot control your negative words, you can control your response. And I know some of you are so disappointed in that feeling right now. You're just like, Ryan, you've worked all week and that's what you came up with, right? I mean, isn't there something better than I can control my response? Because the truth is, when we have negative words to us, the one thing we want to do is respond, don't we? We definitely want to respond. We want to slash some tires, uh, do we not? And so getting back to this idea, while that may allow us to feel better for a moment, is there a better way? in a way that Jesus is inviting us into to live as followers of him. Well, Proverbs 12, 8 says this, that there is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There is one who speaks rashly, and I think we've been on both sides of this, haven't we? There have been times when we have spoken rashly to other people. It's thinking before we speak. It's letting those words come out like arrows, not even caring about the damage that it's going to do. And we've also been on the receiving end of those arrows. It's rashly and it's pierced our hearts. But then it says the tongue of the wise actually brings healing. And so before us, we have two options when it comes to our response. We can either have a sword or we can try and bring healing. And our response makes all the difference in the world. And I will tell you, our initial reaction is to grab the sword, is it not? When negative words have been said to you at work, when someone has been mean to you at school, right? When a spouse has said something uncalled for, when a sibling has accused you of something, whatever it might be, our flesh wants to grab the sword and just start attacking. And I found this to be true in my own life. I mean, never once when I've spoken out rashly and just let arrows come flying out of my mouth, never once have I walked away going, that was a good idea. Never, never once. Because our words come out quicker than our heart can catch up to. We don't even realize sometimes the damage it can do. Our response is so important and it can impact the entire situation. And so your next feeling, when you resist the temptation to speak rashly, opportunities for healing remain. Opportunities for healing remain. Do you know how many times I've talked to different family members? They've said they're no longer talking to each other because of words that have been spoken to each other. How many times spouses have been at odds for weeks, months, even sometimes years because of words that have been spoken. People who were once close friends, now divided for years because of words spoken and rash words. And maybe there's been many times that you've thought, if only I wouldn't have said those things, if only I hadn't reacted that way, maybe there would have been an opportunity for healing that could have brought our relationship back to where we wanted it to be. You see, it's this God-enabled ability to turn down the dial of hurt and anger when our human response is to dial it up. 
How do we do that? Well, it's admitting that we need God's help and self-control in this area. In Galatians 5, Paul writes this letter to the followers of Jesus saying this is how you can have self-control and how it's demonstrated. Look at this, Galatians 5, 14 and 15. It says, for the entire law is fulfilled in this one command. Now here's why this is so important. Because in the Old Testament, there was over 600 laws that they had to follow. Imagine that, if you had a list of 600. I mean, you thought it was bad growing up and your parents gave you like a list of 10 things that you had to do. Imagine over 600 rules you had to follow every single day. And Jesus showed up on the scene and he simplified it. And he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? They were trying to trap him. They were trying to get him to say something that would cause him to mess up to prove that he wasn't who he said he was. And Jesus said all of these commands can be summed up into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul even clarifies this to say, our love for one another is the greatest command that we can live out. That these 600 laws that we're supposed to follow really can be just summed up in this one thing. It's how we love one another, that if we do something that is unloving to other people, it's sin. If it's not good for them, it's sin. It's all about how we love other people. And so here in Galatians 14, he says, the entire law is filled up in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. For if you bite and devour each other, Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And how do we devour each other? Through our words. And it eventually destroys us. And so what is Paul's remedy to this? Just four verses later, he tells us in verse 19, he says, So I say, walk by the what? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When you are tempted to reach for the sword instead of healing, he says, walk by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to make room for the Spirit to be at work in us even when everything inside of us wants to be angry and respond out of that. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the acts of the flesh are obvious and he gives us a long list. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. And then these next really have to deal with our responses. Hatred, discord, or fighting, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. I mean, you look at this list and that's everything that we want to respond with. Because it's our human nature. And Paul says, listen, I get it. I understand the frustration. I understand the hurt. I understand the human response to lash out. But will you bring a sword or will you bring healing? You don't have to walk in the flesh. You can walk according to the Spirit. And he continues with his list, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Verse 22, look at this. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in us should be outward displays of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. We don't like that verse and that passage of verses, do we? You know why we don't? Because it requires something of us that we don't want to give. Because we think to ourselves, they don't deserve it. If you only knew, Ryan, Ryan, I get this, but if you only heard what they said about me, if you only heard what they said to me, you would understand that I am within my right to bring a sword. And it is very much in your right. But does it honor the Jesus you follow? Something's required of us. And in fact, this last summer, our whole summer series was on the fruit of the Spirit. And if you, if you missed any of that, you can watch that online too at riverwaychurch.com. But we walk through every single one of these fruits. And as we look at a list like that, we say, how? How could I ever respond like that when I don't want to? And the answer is you can't. You can't and I can't do that in our own strength. In our own flesh, in our own human weakness, we cannot operate this way. And that's why Paul says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Make room for the Holy Spirit when you're angry and when you're hurt and when you're upset. You see your next film, the Holy Spirit will teach us to love others in spite of our hurt if we ask him to. If we ask him, And maybe our prayer goes something like this, God, help me to respond in the right way, even though I'm angry and upset and I just want to act rashly. God, will you help me respond in a way that would honor you? Help me to respond in a way that will honor you. It's this battle between our flesh and our spirit. Our flesh wanting to respond one way, our spirit another. So let's make room for God to influence our response. And here's another practical way to respond in mercy or grace, and it's to remember this truth, that we tend, your next feeling, we tend to judge ourselves by our intent, and yet we judge others by their actions. Come on, you know this is true. We do this, don't we? We tend to say things like, now, you don't have to raise your hand if you've ever said this. Well, I didn't mean to hurt them, Well, I didn't mean for it to come out that way. Well, I didn't mean for those words to sound like that. Well, no, 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 they misunderstood me. That wasn't my intention. And you know what we do? We judge ourselves by our intentions, don't we? We give ourselves a lot of grace because we think internally, well, we didn't mean it that way, and so therefore I'm gonna let myself off the hook. Yet when other people respond or say the exact same thing to us, we do not judge them by their intentions, do we? We judge them by their actions, and we hold them accountable to their actions. And I just wonder, would there be a little bit more room for grace if we would stop and just simply say this to ourselves? Maybe they didn't mean it the way I took it. That's something different. And something super practical. Now, if, if the other person is purposely hurting you for no reason, you know, we don't need to be involved in that. Just be silent. We can ignore it. It's none of our business. We don't need to respond to every single personal comment that comes our way. It's not our problem if people want to hurt us. 
It's their problem. And in fact, we can learn this simple principle of being silent from Jesus. There were many times that he remained silent, not because he didn't know what to say or didn't have something he wanted to say, but because he was wise, he chose to be silent. What about our hurt? Even if we try to respond the right way, even if we're walking in the spirit, even if at times we're silent when we want to say something, what do we do with the hurt? That some of you maybe have been carrying around for years. And it's been like a ball and chain around your ankle that you just can't get free from. Well, your next fill-in, we can bring our hurts right to Jesus in prayer. And he will meet us there. Oprah Winfrey's shows are not going to heal your hurts. Dr. Phil's shows aren't going to heal all your hurts. Sorry. But there is one person, Jesus, who is able to heal the parts of us that we didn't think could be healed. Why? Because it's something supernatural. It's something out of the natural realm that he does in us. And it's simply talking like you're talking to your best friend. You don't need a theology degree. You don't need to have attended church a certain amount of time. You can just open your mouth and start to talk to Jesus and say, I've got this hurt that I've been holding on to for a long time. And I don't know how to live without it. And I'm asking you to heal me. To repair the damage that's been done, to heal my heart so I can move forward. To let me forgive and move past. In the very first chapter of 1 Samuel, it tells us the true story about a woman named Hannah. And she was childless. And in this day and age, if you could not bear children, your value was very low in society. And her relatives used to make fun of her and call her nicknames, but instead of responding rashly, she chose to be silent. But her hurt was overwhelming. Her grief was thick. And many times her husband tried to console her, but she was still unhappy. Look at this in 1 Samuel 1, 6-8. It says, Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Has anyone ever provoked you and tried to irritate you? This went on year after year. That whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and could not eat. I mean, you can, you can kind of feel her pain in this, can't you? You can feel that she's distraught and she doesn't know how to move past this. And yet what is interesting about this, and I just want to hit a timeout button and just bring, and we don't have time to go there, and this is for another day and another series and another message. But interesting to me that at the very beginning it says that the Lord, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, that this was taking place in her life. And there are times that God brings pain into our life to bring about change in us. 
Because if you ever realize this, we never really learn much on the mountaintop. But we learn the most when we're walking through the valley. And there will be times that God, because of his great love for us, and he's a great father to us, that he will bring times of pain and hurt. To bring adjustments in our life, a new reality, a new trust in him, a new dependence in him that we didn't previously have. And here's Hannah. She has this hurt and this pain, and what does she do with it? Even her husband, look at the rest of this verse. It says her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? But yet he wasn't enough. There was an aching in her soul that was perpetuated by people trying to hurt her. And in verse 10, and in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And I think there's probably been times that we've experienced that kind of hurt. That the only response is tears. And yet after Hannah got done praying, And pouring out her heart to the Lord, the Bible says that her face was sad no more. Her situation did not change, yet she was changed. Why? It was because she told her problems to the right person. And God heard her prayer, and God comforted her, And Hannah, I don't believe, was ever closer in her relationship with God than probably in that valley. And then God gave her a child, and his name was Samuel, and he became a great prophet for God. You see, that's the power of sharing your hurts with your heavenly Father. Because you belong to him, and he loves you, he can heal us when we surrender all those negative words and thoughts to him. Nothing is impossible for him to heal if we will allow him to. And then we trade out the hurt for the things that he says about, the, about us. And that's what we latch on to. Zechariah 2.8, I love this. For he said, anyone who harms you harms my most precious possession. Did you know that? That you are a precious possession to your heavenly father? That's a great thing to think about. When you feel down, when you think low of yourself, to remind yourself that you're one of his prized possessions. Just like the song that we sang, even when we can't see it, he's working and he's moving in our lives. I love this, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Do you know what a masterpiece is? It's defined as a person's greatest piece of work. And your heavenly father says about you that you are his masterpiece, awaiting to do all the good things that he has planned for you. Don't let someone else's hurtful and negative words stop you from that. Why? Why is that so important? Your next feeling, because if you live for the approval of others, you will die from the rejection of others. Let your mindset be the promises of God. Who he says about you, what he thinks about you. If we live by the approval of others, we'll die 
by the rejection of others. And it's not how God has intended us to live. And so let me ask you this question. Where does your approval come from? At the deepest part of you, does your well-being and who you are come from who you are in Jesus or what other people say about you and to you? Because that changes everything when you can identify that. And when you can answer that, And say, I know who I am in Jesus. I know who he's called me to be. I know what he has said about me. And that's where my value, it's where my worth, it's where my approval comes from. And so as we get ready to close, your last fill-in, don't let what others have said about you be bigger than what Jesus has said about you. Don't let what others have said about you be bigger than what Jesus has said about you. And so when negative words come, what do we do? Really three steps. We control our response. We bring God our hurt. And we believe what he says about us. That's how we overcome negative words from others. We control our response. We bring our hurt to God and we believe what he says about us. Can we pray together? I just want to take a moment and I I just want to pray for healing for those of you that would say, I've been holding on to some hurt from negative words that have been spoken over to me. And maybe you've been holding on to that for a week and maybe you've been holding on to it for a year and maybe you've been holding on to it for a decade. But if you need healing, I just want you to receive this. So Jesus, we thank you that you love us unconditionally. And you see everything that we walk through. And you've told us that you hurt when we hurt. And your intention is for us to live healed and whole. And so for those sitting in this room that are currently carrying the weight of hurtful things that have been said to them, I ask for your healing power to come and to bind up that wound, to remove it to close it up, never for it to hold them back again. So heal it in Jesus' name. And in its place, would you put your confidence, your realization of the masterpiece that they are, how you view them as the apple of your eye, your most prized possession. And may we live in that. God, even as we leave here today, if there are things that we need to bring to you, if there's hurtful things we need to keep bringing to you, would you give us the strength to do that, to control our response? Tomorrow morning as we get up and as we face a day that is uncertain and we don't know the hurtful things that could be said to us, would you help us control our response by walking in the Spirit, by allowing that room for you to work. You'd help us have a tongue that brings an opportunity for healing. 
We thank you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray.